Hello, I am Cris Ferraz Prade, and this is the Vital Compass Podcast. In June of last year, June of 2020, I started this podcast project. Now it's our first anniversary. One year of podcasts. Four seasons, 75 episodes, and over 6,500 downloads. I am so happy to have ventured into this project. I, I would never have imagined this. So before introducing today's theme... I need to thank you. When I record an episode here and I post it, it is as if I'm throwing a little bottle in the ocean, not as a request for help, but as a message in a bottle to find people who resonate with the importance of self-care, mental health, ethics. And I never know who's listening, so uh, it's always a surprise when I receive an email or a message from someone who felt that a certain episode resonated with them. So my heart fills with joy, um, and I feel that we are weaving a network with a thread of self-compassion, self-knowledge, and consequently, more solidarity and shared humanity. You, who listen to me, offer me your time and your attention, and I am grateful for your presence. I really am. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the importance of sharing our uncomfortable feelings and our sufferings. Why is it important to talk about all that? In short, because when we talk about it and we feel heard with kindness and attention, we feel accepted and emotional healing starts to happen in a certain way. It helps us to change the emotional experience. But the podcast is nice for us not to share the short version, but the long version. So the unsummarized version is... When we speak, we connect our feelings with our thoughts, and this process contributes for the construction of meaning and the process of bringing new meaning for experiences that made us suffer. When I speak, I listen to myself, and when I speak to another person who listens to me gently, without judgment, and with a present heart, I connect with my presence in the world in a way that I do not need to be ashamed for who I am or for what I feel. Listening is there not to fix the other person, not to fix the problem, uh, but just to be a witness. It is amazing how this simple process of witnessing the like another person talking about their experiences and their sufferings um, helps us to to feel that we are sharing our own like that we are sharing our humanity and this can bring can bring about strength we 
we are not good at talking. Uh, we have a hard time um, having difficult conversations. Um, there is, we, we, well, we always like to present our perfect selves, the flawless version of ourselves. And um, we tend to be ashamed of our failures and of our ignorances. We, we get used to speeches that are supposed to prove our points. We want to colonize the other. We want to compete for the truth. We rather be right than be well or be in peace. In times of social media, oh my God, it's like uh, we unfriend people, we argue, we quickly offend others. The cancel culture. I do feel we need to work on, on, on being better at communicating with others in a deeper way. I remember when I started to study psychology, I read an article in a newspaper in Brazil. It was in the 90s, and the article was saying that science was going to invest millions in the next 10 years to study brain and psychology and neurology. And I was so happy. I thought, oh, wow, finally we'll be able to, you know, like have a healthier, happier um, society. Uh, and I, I do believe that we, we did a lot, um, but we easily like go into the, like, the, the wish for a magic pill designed to bring happiness, to erase pain. And then we don't have to think about it anymore. We don't, we don't have to, to, to get in touch with uncomfortable feelings and uh, what is hurting inside. I just remember the movie, uh, have you watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Uh, Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey. Um, it's a great movie. If you didn't watch, I recommend. Well, the movie talks about like wanting something to erase our bad memories, our sufferings. Um, so I think it's important to talk about getting in touch with our vulnerabilities, and especially at a time of a pandemic when we are seeing the gigantic impact of all this on people's mental health. We, we live in a time of insecurity, fear, grief, like a, we've never lived before. We're having to reflect hard on what is valuable in our lives. And um, we do that because either we are afraid of dying or we are afraid of losing loved ones. Or because we lost loved ones. Um, or because we had COVID and we felt so um, afraid of dying. Or like how our health was going to cope with it. We are dealing with the lack of control and we are terrible at it. <laughs> Talking about what hurts in us is the beginning it's where some change can come and we can repair and rebuild meaning in life. When we work in hospice, it's not unusual to witness people having an urgency to, to talk about what they're 
feeling um, about what was important, what is important to them. Sometimes it's to resolve issues from the past. And many times, even in the face of a time that's about to end, words with healing power emerge. Sometimes it's for those who stay, and other times is the healing for those who are dying, as a cure for the soul, you know. And, and the power of these moments uh, is indescribable. I remember a couple whose husband was devastated that he was losing his wife, his queen, as he called her. They were so young. They had been married for like a couple of years, and she was very upset that he was not accepting um, the progression of her disease and the reality of her finitude. And she felt that she was letting him down constantly, when she couldn't eat, when she couldn't walk anymore. And one day at the hospital, she said to him, she said to him that she hated him and that it was for him to leave, to let her alone, to not come back. And uh, he was in despair. He sat in the hospital lobby for hours. And when I walked by him, he, he told me what had happened. And um, I sat there and we talked and while he was telling me, um, and I, I was asking him about how he was seeing that moment, what he was feeling, what was there, and gradually as he was um, talking about everything that was happening then, he said that, um, so finally he said that he knew that she was dying, but that he understood that if he didn't tell her to continue, to keep trying, he would give her a message that he was giving up on her. So little by little, he realized that what she needed from him was acceptance. It was validation of her entire like, courageous journey in treatment. Um, so when he returned to the room, he sat beside her and spoke softly um, next to her of his love and acceptance and that um, she would always be his queen even if she was no longer physically present. Um, I never for forgot this conversation and um, they said goodbye surrounded by love as it should be. It would be a shame for this couple to part after an argument and, and it would certainly be a very difficult grieving process for this husband. Unspoken pains continue to exist in silence. They perpetuate themselves in silence. It's, it's like a trap. The injured person thinks, oh, I won't talk about it because uh, I'm going to pretend it never existed. It never happened. Just like magic. I'm going to pretend I'm not feeling this. I'm going to pretend this didn't happen. It looks simple and practical, I, and I do see it as an attempt to cancel whatever happened or whatever um, the emotion is. But it doesn't work because life has already registered it. And from then on, life asks for courage, for confrontation and transformation. 
Paradoxically, talking about our pains puts us on a path of relief. We feel the pain diluting in the sound, in the air, and the world. The wound ceases to exist only in me to exist outside of me, shared with another person or, an, or a group of people. And often these processes can be like giving birth. It can be a long, painful delivery, but then a new person is born. Talking about our pains is not nice. And usually people don't like to, you know, listen to um, suffering. But it brings you freedom and allows you to continue truly healing instead of carrying this heavy silence throughout life. So let's imagine that the person feels a need to let go of a traumatic experience, aching memories, or uncomfortable feelings. Knowing who to talk to is key in this process. So talking to someone who listens with respect, without judgment, with compassion, and that, um, that can be a friend or can be uh, a therapist, can be uh, a doctor, it can be a medical or a spiritual relationship. Deep and loving friendships are important because they have the power to welcome, accept, and continue to love you for who you are. Knowing that you have a real friend who can listen to you with respect and affection contributes to mental health. A friend who listens and asks good questions, supports and follows you on your way to find answers, is a gift in life, and it's usually the relationship that makes us exercise reciprocity in a loving way, because we help and we are helped, we care and we are cared for. Psychotherapy has a basic precept of acceptance, non-judgment, validation, and respectful listening. And it also has the technique in helping others to meet their courage in leaving. We can say that um, there is a training in active listening and in a way of uh, interacting that promotes the process of empowerment and transformation. Uh, another um, way of sharing our sufferings is uh, in specific groups like support groups. One example of this is AA, um, where you can find respectful listening, welcoming, and you recognize um, there, there is their shared humanity, that each person has their own limitations and their own strengths. Um, this process supports a sense of belonging, and it reduces feelings of loneliness. When we speak about our feelings and our sufferings, there is a desire to be seen for who we are, to be accepted for who we are. When we don't talk about what we are he really feeling, it's as if we, we are living like half-hidden. We are like disguising ourselves. This experience of talking about difficult feelings and suffering is usually like when a person goes through it, uh, you, can, you can listen to a person say like, oh, I took a heavy weight off my shoulders or... Oh, now I can see things more clearly. These are all metaphors that reveal the beginning of healing of internal wounds. Life lives its mark on all of us. We are vulnerable by nature. 
You can put on the best iron suit. You can have the most perfect hair. You can do all the beauty treatments that are, exist. Control your entire routine, what you eat, what you drink. You still remain vulnerable, mortal, complex, with your shadows and your light and needing to feel loved. So we're talking in terms of individuals, but in terms of um, communities and society, why is it important to listen to the voices of minorities and to hear the voices of groups that have been uh, mistreated and are being mistreated and disrespected um, in our society? Because in the same way that listening and validating a person in distress helps them to heal their internal wounds, listening and validating these groups brings social healing. The history of the world shows us so many atrocities, so many practices that are morally condemned. Slavery, colonizing people, prohibiting groups of people of this or that, um, the Black Lives Matter is an example of a movement that came to create change. Like saying that black lives need to be heard and validated and, and, and we need to change as a society. Currently, we justify the economy and we accept that millions of people live in misery. And I, I wonder what will history say in 500 years from now? Um, I... I Like, will they say, wow, they let people starve. They were, like, so primitive. They were barbarians. They had plenty of resources, but they let whole families starve and die in cold winter nights or die from diseases that could be treated. Yeah, they, they were so behind us. Um, am I going too far here? I, I don't think so. You know, recently I heard a journalist making a very interesting point. He said, isn't it morally wrong to use starvation as a motivation for people to work? I speak of um, the macro, like the system, the society, because our lives is like, uh, it's like a, these pebbles when we throw in the lake and make those circular waves on the surface of the water, we impact the life of others around us. And um, if we feel that we cannot be heard and we make an effort to silence our pains, we feel that it is okay for everyone to keep silent. And, um, and then there's no validation of our stories. And we keep dragging ourselves in the world, but we are so used to it that we don't even notice. And this impacts on culture creation and impacts on the narratives of history. One of my favorite books is Letters to a Young Poet by Rainer Maria Rilke. The story of how this book was born is very touchy. Rilke shares his heart in an ethical, integrated, and generous way with Mr. Kapus. The word here in the case is not spoken directly, but it's written, which made this uh, 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 like a resource for so many people around the world for so many years. Um, 
If you didn't read this book, I highly recommend Letters to a Young Poet. Um, at the time, it, when, when the, the book was written, it was known that many poets who were starting their career wrote to Rilke asking for guidance. So this 19-year-old young man was studying in the same military school that Rilke attended. And this was a period that Rilke said that he lived with great suffering. So when, uh, when, when the letter arrived from Mr. Capo saying that he was living a very similar experience and he had a poetic inclination that he lived in a very insecure way, Rilke felt a deep compassion. Rilke's letter to Mr. Capo's uh, later became the book. Letters to a Young Poet. So we never, uh, we, we, we can never read Mr. Capo's letters. We only have access to Rilke's replies. The book is full of wisdom, a desire to build meaning in life. As Mr. Capo shares his anguish along with his poetry, we can tell that Rilke helps him to listen to himself. And right at the beginning, Rilke offers an attentive and compassionate presence when Mr. Kapos asks him to criticize his poetry. And Rilke responds, I want to thank you for the great confidence you have placed in me. That is all I can do. I cannot discuss your verses, for any attempt at criticism would be foreign to me. Nothing touches a work of art so little as words of criticism. They always result in more or less fortunate misunderstandings. Things aren't all so tangible and sayable as people would usually have us believe. Most experiences are unsayable. They happen in a space that no word has ever entered. And several letters follow, and on the eighth letter, Rilke talks about the importance of leaving the sadness. If only it were possible for us to see farther than our knowledge reaches, and even a little beyond the outworks of our presentiment, perhaps we would bear our sadness with greater trust than we have in our joys. For they are the moments when something new has entered us, something unknown. Our feelings grow mute in shy embarrassment. Everything in us withdraws. A silence arises and the new experience, which no one knows, stands in the midst of it all and says nothing. The exchanges of letters took place over a few years and one can see how they shared a deep humanity and how this provided growth, maturation and transformation in both lives. Individually, each one of us knows of our own pains and collectively we experience sufferings that we share as um, as a group, as a tribe, as a community, when we look into people's eyes. And some of the pains get to be revealed while others are still hidden or disguised. 
These are the pains that are part of the history of, um, as I said, groups, tribes, peoples, nations. Be aware of your heart, your body, and the stories that are asking for your voice. And pay attention to what ears can welcome you and, and you know, to listen to what our inner hurts are saying and to be able to talk about personal suffering is a process. Be patient. There is no medicine that can do this for you. It takes time and dedication. But it generates valuable fruits. It generates courage, humbleness, love, and expands our horizons. May we be able to pay attention and care for the process of transforming our pain and suffering into power and joy. I'll see you next week. And until then, take good care of yourself. Music and Editing by Ale Praje. Vital Compass is available at Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also register in the website. It's www.vitalcompass.com. Compass is with a K. And you can always send me an email. You can send an email to vitalcompass at gmail.com. I would love to get an email from you.